This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Abigail Snyder, and today I'm joined by Holly DeYoung, the social media manager at Alliance Defending Freedom, the world's largest legal organization protecting fundamental and God-given freedoms for all. I'm here talking to Holly about her life, her work, and I'm also excited to get her general life advice. I can personally attest that she has a lot of wisdom, and I'm excited for her to share that today. Holly, thanks for joining me on the station. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So before I even ask my first question, I think we should provide the listeners with some context. I'm your intern at Alliance Defending Freedom, or ADF, this semester. So you're my supervisor, my boss, and I think this is going to be a really fun opportunity for us to talk through your story outside of work. So let's start with your family. Give us the rundown on your parents, siblings, where you grew up, what life was like as a child. So like where you're currently at in school, I am from Michigan, um, but I'm on the west side of the state, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and um, I am the second born of four kids. So yeah, um, what else is there to say? I have an older sister. She's three years older than me, a younger sister who's two years younger, and then a younger brother who's six years. Along those lines, what did you enjoy doing as a child? You played the violin, right? But what kind of, what kind of musical things were you doing, sports? What were you filling your time with? So... I am the daughter of two teachers, and um, so school is very important growing up, getting good grades, and also being involved in extracurriculars and uh, having some sort of talent. And so um, at age four, I started playing violin, and I actually played that until I was about 20 years old, and I quit because I got tendonitis real badly. <laughs> um, but that that was like the job. If I could say like I had a job growing up, it was, it was playing the violin. And so I was always in symphonies and pit orchestras for musicals and um, you know, doing competitions and all that stuff. But I would really say um, that I loved not that. I loved being outside as much as I could. I had the greatest neighborhood. Like I felt like my childhood was absolutely magical. We had about 50 kids in my neighborhood from age like three to 13. And we all would play capture the flag every single day, bloody murder every single night. We would run after each other and play tag and like just having freedom without restrictions, building forts, running through the woods. We would even schedule neighborhood fights where we would all get our kitchen utensils out and we would just charge after each other. So I feel like my childhood was equal parts structured um, with discipline and um, doing extracurricular stuff, but also just like the Wild West. I think my parents knew the importance of creativity, imagination, and play. So we got a lot of that when I grew up. Um, so um, there was a lot of that. And I, I look back on my childhood and I, oh man, I wish I could relive it. And I hope that one day I can give it to my kids because it was just purely magical. Well, take us into high school. What was that stage of your life like? And what are some of your key high school memories? High school was really interesting because I think I had the personality of an emo person, but I was also very preppy and like studious and get good grades and never get in trouble. Um, and I would say high school was fun, but I also didn't really enjoy it at the same time. It was a mixed bag. High school was rough because um, I didn't really know where I fit in. You know, I was athletic. I, I, I played sports, tennis, um, lacrosse. I, cross country was my thing, but I also was very musical and that was my thing. Um, and, um, you know, I, I kind of just like bopped around and hung out with different groups and all of that. But I just felt like I was just waiting to get out of high school and move on to college. So if I did it differently, I would have just enjoyed high school a little more and not, not have been so worried about what the next phase was, you know. I will say that I looked you up on LinkedIn prior to the interview that you conducted with me. 
You did. I saw. According to your LinkedIn, you graduated high school in 2012. I did. Is that right? Okay. Long time ago. So, and then it was off to college. So I, I guess, where did you go to college and why did you choose that college? Ooh, man. Okay. So I went to a little hole in the wall liberal arts school called Calvin College. Um, it's a Christian liberal arts school and um, it's in West Michigan. It was about a half hour from my home where I grew up. Um, and, you know, it's kind of interesting because if you grew up in West Michigan and you go to church and you're part of like the whole um, Christian reformed culture, um, you either go to Hope College or you go to Calvin College. And so um, part of me, oh man, part of me wanted to go to a big state school and go out of state and, and do something like completely different because I grew up as a homebody um, and was too afraid to like venture out. And I was like, college is my time to do it. But I ended up going to Calvin College. Um, and I loved it. It was great. I also didn't love it because while, okay, I loved the people that I went to school with in residence life. I was an RA there. Um, and so that was fun. And I think the extra curricular stuff that I was involved in was great. And the intramurals were a lot of fun. Um, but I didn't really like school. Like I, I guess, you know, I didn't really like writing papers. I didn't really like researching. I survived though. I got good grades and I did the thing. But after I graduated, I was like, I'm never doing this ever again. So I graduated with a, a strategic communications degree. Um, and I picked that major because I was like, I want to be um, in broadcast journalism. And so that's what I did. Like all of my internships were in television, broadcast journalism. Um, and I loved it. Um, but I just knew after the fact, like I loved the people, I love the atmosphere and the hype, um, and being in the news and all that, but I am not a researcher. I am not a journalist. Um, and so it was kind of a bad field for me to go into, but I had this major and, um, you know, I kind of picked it, but all of the classes that I really loved were my science classes. Yeah. I loved biology. And your dad's a science teacher, right? This is so the, okay. Is like in the family, maybe in the family. I was okay torn because my mom was a big communications like everyone on my mom's side communications folks and then on my dad's side he like he's a science teacher he's got siblings who are geologists in Alaska Montana um and you know I, I think I've grown growing up I've loved both um and so while the job that I've landed right now I love it it's so fun and it definitely like encompassing communications um what I love learning and what I could just like, what sparks joy in the classroom for me is learning about nature, like the earth systems, like meteorology, geology. Um, those are a lot of fun. Biology. And so all the extracurricular classes that I took in college were my science classes. So I never, I, if I did it a little more strategically and thought a little more through it, and if it wasn't so stubborn, I would have um, minored in biology or geology. That would have been fun. Yeah. And even after I graduated, I kind of went through this crisis two months out of school. And I was like, oh, I should have gotten a geology degree. I should go back to school completely and get a new new undergrad like degree. And uh, so I went to a local university and I took a geology class. And it actually was so much fun. It was one of my favorite courses of all time. Um, and uh, But then I just decided, you know, I can't do the school thing. I am just not, I don't want to be in a classroom. It's fair, it's fair. So... I took the class and left it and decided to move to D.C. And that's why I'm here. I've been here for about seven years. So in college, you mentioned something that you were an RA. So why did you want to take on the role of being an RA? You know, an RA is a very specific type of person. And I think colleges who choose RAs 
have to choose types of people who are going to hold down the fort, but also be somewhat fun and also kind of have that mom energy, older sister energy, something along those lines. Um, so why did you want to take on that role and what were some of the joys and some of the challenges of being an RA? Oh, man. Well, I wanted to be an RA because my dad was an RA and he also went to Calvin College and uh, he was a big prankster and he had the best floor, Rooks Van Dellen. And I just, he, the stories that I heard from my dad growing up were just so inspiring because I have this goofy sort of prankster sense of humor myself. I like to cause shenanigans. And so, I don't know, I always looked up to my dad and hearing his stories were just a lot of fun. And he always told me, Holly, I think you'd be a good RA. Like in high school and college, he told me that. Um, and I chose to be an RA because I, yeah, I, I just, everything I heard sounded like a lot of fun. But also, I love being like the older sister. And I love coming alongside younger girls and mentoring them. And, you know, that's partly what I'm doing here with Young Life and, you know, getting involved in like girls who are at very formable times in their life. And so, um, you know, my college experiences were quite a time for me. And walking through that um, alongside freshmen and sophomore girls was one of my greatest joys. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's what compelled me to do it. And um, I had about 40 girls on my floor and um, <clears throat> the dean of residence life and everyone in residence life considered uh, Schultz Eldersveld to be the worst dorm in the entire campus. Um, because, and not only that, the worst floor on the entire campus was my floor, second Eldersfeld. Wow. Mm -hmm. They had a, reput a reputation for two decades for being wild and crazy. And I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm inheriting this floor. But the first week um, we had a head lice outbreak and it was terrible. And yeah. I, I never knew that. That's so funny. Oh what yeah. I had to story. pick the lice out of the girl's hair twice. Until we had to take her to a, like a specialist to get it all removed. She went on a missions trip to Ecuador and came back. I could do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would say I'll start with the challenges. The challenges were I had a very hard floor with girls who were struggling with a lot of very difficult, serious issues from mental health, physical health, um, and um, family issues, identity issues. Um, and you realize that, um, you know, <laughs> you're not alone when you struggle on this earth. There, there are people who don't show their face, um, don't show their struggles who actually are like really struggling. And so it was a very challenging year. It was a really like a year that put me to the test. Like, are you willing to sacrifice your time, um, and your fun and, um, your own self to, to be, um, what you need to be for these girls? And so challenge accepted, <laughs> It was a fun year, but it was also a tough year in that way. But the fun parts were, um, you know, our, our floor was really tight. We did a lot of things together. We did floor dinners. We um, went out and, like, you know, went on floor dates with other guy floors. And we were just fun. Like, the girls, the personalities were just wacky, adventurous, um, and imaginative. And, um, you know, the, they, they were just a lot of fun. And I remember a highlight of that year was when we were initiating the new RAs when we were leaving our roles and we did a whole hazing and I don't know if you've seen Finding Nemo when they do the scene where they're all at Mount Wanahagalugi and they're initiating Nemo into the fish tank while all the other fish and he has to swim across 
not want to hog a loogie, the ring of fire. So we did that very, we reenacted the entire thing. We had sprinklers, we had lights, people dressed up. We had um, people with like face paint. And uh, um, we all ended up, you know, throwing water balloons at the, the new RAs. And then everyone came in at the end, crowded the RAs, mosh pitted them, threw them in the air. And that's how we, um, you know, passed down our roles to the new RAs. And that was just such a memorable moment. Goodness. Well, this makes the hazing that you have given me at ADF seem a lot less rough after, <laughs> after that story right there. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Abigail Snyder, joined by Alliance Defending Freedom social media manager, Holly DeYoung. So Holly, something I've learned about you is that you still keep in touch with college friends from a number of years ago. I think that's really, really cool. How have you managed to maintain close friendships with those people, especially when you're not all in the same place now? Oh, it's interesting. I, if I were to go back in time to senior year of college, I wouldn't have thought, like, it wouldn't have been, I wouldn't, the friends that I am really close with now, I didn't think that I would be friends with my college friends, you know, because I'm not really friends with my high school friends, maybe one, maybe two, but, um, yeah, I, the girls that I live with, lived with senior year, we just kind of kept in touch, and um, I think, you know, we were all going through interesting situations in our final semester, and that really bonded us together. We would pray together. We would do things together. We were just our support, and that was a really pivotal time for us where we saw true friendship in its full form. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there were seasons where I was not as close with one person as I would be with another, but um, through time and um, just life circumstances, we just grew close, and we just kept in touch. You know, some people I talk to on the phone once a week, some people maybe once a month, um, but I know that they're all going to be in my wedding someday. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think that um, choosing consistency over just what feels good, too, is what has helped um, our friendships grow even stronger, too. Um, you know, last night I didn't really want to talk to my friend on the phone. I wanted to just kind of plug in my music and edit photos and just call it a night and read a book. Um, but she had some interesting stuff to tell me, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to get on the phone. We're going to talk on the phone. Um, we ended up talking for a little over an hour, and it was so good to catch up with her. But, like, choosing to choosing to be consistent with communicating through friends and um, being in their lives and allowing them to be in yours is, um, you know, what truly um, keeps relationships going. And, and I would say that I'm closer with them now than I ever was in high school – or, sorry, college. So after college, where did you go, and how was that transition from college life to professional life? And, you know, what was your first job? Tell us the story of how you got that. Okay, so, yeah, I left college, took that random class in geology, um, and I waited tables for a while, and I was, um, again, in this emo state where I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Because literally, from high school to, to even starting my job, I was like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. Um, and I think God really taught something very, very, really clear to me is, um, you know, I've tried to plan out my life, map out the five-year plan, and I do, and then I get there, and I'm like, this isn't really what I wanted. So I think for someone like me, who is a little more of a free spirit, I forced myself to be very type A my entire life, which isn't wrong. It's built discipline in me. But embracing a little more of like the, the free spirit in me has really helped me. Um, deciding, you know, this doesn't make sense, but I feel in my gut, I feel I'm discerning this, that, that this is something that I want to do. Um, and so, you know, after college, um, it took a few months. I floundered for a little bit. 
I, I went through a breakup. I was kind of just really struggling and, and um, the Lord was so kind. He was there for me in every step of the way. Um, but I got to a point where I was just like, you know what? Um, time to do something risky. I want to move to a new city. I don't want to be in Michigan anymore. Um, and I want to pursue something that is a little outside of my sphere and something that's more mission driven. Um, and yeah, so I started looking at all these organizations, started talking to a lot of people, networked with a ton of people, like phone conversations every day. And then I decided, okay, all of these organizations that I'm interested in happen to be in DC. That's interesting. I don't really care about politics, but here I am. I'm going to move out to DC. So I decided January 2017 that I was going to move out there. Um, and I didn't have a job at the time. And my parents thought I was crazy. Um, but I was making a very calculated risk because I had three months of rent under my um, in my wallet. I had a place to live. Um, and I had many connections that I built. I had a couple of interviews under my belt. Um, so I thought, you know what, if I move here, I'll find a job in three months. If I don't, I'll move back to Michigan. So I moved to DC. I lived in Columbia Heights, which is the Northwest part. Um, pretty is that a good part or a bad part or <laughs> give us some context there. It's not a really good part. I almost got assaulted many times. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't live there anymore, but like it a- was a good growth experience for me to say the least. Um, but yeah, I moved there and then two weeks later I got a job um, working at the public broadcasting service, which people you all know as PBS. Um, and I worked in the marketing department. I was a marketing assistant. And so I started there. Um, and honestly, the best first job I could have had starting off right after college. Like I would not have even imagined working for a big media company like PBS. And I loved our programming because I loved learning. Like I watch documentaries all the time. I love experiencing things throughout, like just like being out in nature. And I loved learning about history. And, you know, I never really, you know, I loved science and communications, but like I love the diversity of learning of all the different topics that are out there, expanding your mind. And so it made sense to work there um, with all the different types of programming they had. Um, And so, yeah, I I started there and for two years I was in that team and I actually um, got promoted really quickly because um, I, you know, I just worked really hard and working really hard didn't feel like a burden because I loved the team I was on um, and they believed in me and um, I loved the mission um, and it was just people like myself. We were all kind of wacky and goofy we were like a bunch of PBS kids in one building together. And so it didn't feel like work. It just felt like I was doing what I loved. Um, yeah. And then two years later, I moved on to a new role on a new team where I specifically like interfaced with all the member stations. There are about 150 of them throughout the U.S. And I worked more on the digital strategy side. So um, we have a whole portfolio of video platforms for stations to use on their own websites. Um, and so, yeah, no, I know I talked to a lot of member stations and trained them up on those and interfaced with all of our like product engineers. And, you know, it was a really big relationship building sort of role and training role. And I also did a lot of professional development work for PBS, too. So anyone who is new to public media, whether they were like an NPR 
station or PBS. Um, we provided programs, curriculum, uh, workshops, all that stuff, conferences um, for them to get involved in and just become a better um, employee and, and advance themselves um, within the realm of public media. So I was there for a total of four, almost five years. And then um, I moved to ADF. You know, people often try to sum up who they are on their Instagram bios, and I found it really interesting that your bio, the main part, is a series of emojis that say Michigan to D.C. to Michigan to D.C. <laughs> so explain a little bit about your back and forth and why you feel like God's brought you back here to the city for a second time. That's so wild. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. So, yeah, I, I lived in D.C. for about four years, um, and then COVID hit, and I know we can all agree that COVID was a wild time where people just like kind of did their own thing. Um, so yeah, when COVID hit, I was also kind of hitting a point where I was like, I don't really want to be here anymore. Um, I did the DC thing. I lived in Northern DC. I lived in uh, Virginia, um, Arlington, Clarendon, all that stuff. And I loved it, but all my friends were moving on, getting married, all that stuff, getting new jobs, moving to new cities. And I just kind of felt like, I don't really know why I'm still here. And I don't really know if I want to be here. So I moved, um, well, before I moved home, I, I bimbopped around for a couple of months in, in California where my two best friends were, are living, and um, also kind of spent a lot of time in St. Louis where my sister lives or lived. And then I spent a lot of time at home in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I spent um, my time during COVID really anywhere but D.C. And then I finally decided to move home. And so I still worked at PBS, but I worked remotely from my mom's art room okay I've seen this art room yes yeah, it's uh yeah lime green walls what an environment glitter and Elmer's glue everywhere hmm. um so yeah I I worked in, out of that space for about a year and then yeah I was really looking for a new job for a really long time and I really wanted to move to California because a my two best friends live there b my my current job and my resume experience was media entertainment and so it made sense for me to move to a bigger studio like Netflix or Paramount Pictures you know or, or something of that sort and so um I had so many doors open in that direction recruiters that were like we're gonna hire you and then all the doors would just shut at the very last minute every single time and I was so frustrated with God I was like this doesn't make sense because I'm supposed to be here by now um but God did not want it for me he made it very clear and I was very stubborn for over a year about it until I finally, in March 2020, 2021, I don't even remember, I just decided, all right, I give up. Fine, God, you have your way. <laughs> and so I quit applying for all these jobs and just kind of rested for a little bit. And during that period, um, all these people were reaching out to me about opportunities back in D.C. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. I'm not even planting any sort of seeds here. Um, and one of them was ADF. Um, and simultaneously at the same time, my heart was shifting directions. Like I didn't want to be in media and entertainment. I didn't want to work at a major film studio. I, I realized that that was kind of me just following a path that wasn't really my passion. It just is another thing that made sense. Um, and during that time, I was really getting very involved with, um, you know, the culture wars that are happening during our, our, our day to day. And so um, you know, that was just kind of something that I was listening to podcasts all the time. I was reading up on the news all the time and I was never really a political person by nature, but I was growing, growing more and more, um, interested in that realm and passionate about that realm. And so, um, when ADF opened up for the social media manager position, I was like, okay, I'll try it out. 
And then all the 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 stars just aligned. Like people were really advocating for me to get this job, and then I I'm, I ended up coming back to DC because um, I was like, okay, I'm gonna move here um, because it makes sense. I don't want to live in my parents' house forever. Um, so I moved back and then, yeah, a couple weeks later I got the job at ADF and then started in September and I've been there for a little over a year. At ADF as the social media manager, kind of what is, what does your job entail? Give us the rundown of what your job looks like there as you're managing all of these platforms that ADF has. Oh man, it has been a journey. Um, I came on board with social media knowledge and awareness and intuitiveness, but not a working experience with that. I mean, I guess I managed a couple of Facebook pages at PBS, but they were all like internal events, you know, that we would like put on. A little different when there's two million followers. So different. We didn't have a following. We didn't have a platform with a reputation. I came on and it was a fire hose of knowledge. It was not only learning the ins and outs of ADF, um, working with lawyers in our cases, um, and just the the do's and don'ts and the ways of the organization. Um, but it was also learning social media, you know, like I knew all these things, but how did that work in the realm of ADF? Um, and what did that look like in practice? And so, um, before I came on, there was really no strategy. There was really no program and there was a great need for it. Um, and so when I came on, um, that's what we did. We built a program and we're still in the building phase of this social media program. Um, so we have three major platforms, three and a half. So we've got Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and then we also have YouTube, which is a pet project for 2023. Um, we're just not there yet. Um, so yeah, we, um, you know, my job was really to define our strategy, our overarching strategy. What is the purpose and vision and mission for ADF social media? Um, and what is that going to look like? What are our objectives? What are our goals, um, that we want to accomplish on our channels? Um, what's our audience? Um, what are their needs, their wants, their desires, um, and what types of content can we be putting out there? Um, not just on all channels together, but like individually. What does Facebook need? What does Instagram need? What does Twitter need? And so that was my job really, and still is my job because we're always reassessing because social media is always changing. I mean, you know that Abigail, like it's always changing. Um, so yeah, really developing a strategy was my, my job um, in the first, I would say eight months there. And then really executing and testing and experimenting and then finding what works and what flops and choosing to reiterate. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of it is strategy work and a lot of it is tactical work. And I'm so grateful for Abigail because she has made a lot of the tactical work um, something that I don't have to do day to day. Um, so Abigail does a lot of the posting and the writing copy for um, a lot of our content. Um, and I just get to, you know, get the group together um, twice a week to, hey, lay it out on the table. This is what's going on in the news. These are the updates with our cases. This is what we could do. Um, and the, it was, it's just a main major brainstorming hour for our entire team to just get together, get creative and come up with content and then execute on it. Um, so yeah, uh, the day-to-day stuff for me, um, really, we just got off of a huge campaign which you were a part of, Abigail. That was crazy. Yes. Wild. Definitely. So cool to see everyone across all teams at ADF come together for that. Totally. Social media was a huge thing. We embarked on some new projects with that. We started influencer marketing for ADF, which is totally new for us. Um, we started doing paid advertising with all of our content, also new for us. Um, so instead of just like, you know, throwing spaghetti on the wall, 
we did that in the first eight months and we decided to get more scientific with that spaghetti and we made a whole meal out of it. And then we went to oral arguments, went to the Supreme Court, Monday, December 5th. And uh, Abigail and I just had a lot of fun at that rally. We did a lot of live tweeting. Um, we, um, we had a live stream. We did story coverage, did photography. Um, and, you know, a lot of it for the past... I would say a couple of months was planning for this rally, which is a big one for ADF because it's a case that's one of the biggest land, the biggest case for free speech that we're up against in our time right now. So, um, yeah, that's been, that's been what I've been doing for most of the time. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Abigail Snyder, joined by Alliance Defending Freedom social media manager, Holly DeYoung. So Holly, what's the best part of your job? Why do you like to get up in the morning and head to the office? What motivates you to be at work? I love the people. The people are like family at ADF. I had no idea that I could be best friends with coworkers. Um, so I love, I love get, well, okay, here's the thing. I get up early in the morning, I get in the car, and when I drive to work, I'm thinking, okay, I'm really excited for my French press coffee with my French vanilla creamer. That's what gets me up in the morning. And then, and then I get to interact with my coworkers. So it's really the people that work there. Um, who knew that, you know, a law firm, which typically has a reputation to be stuffy and old curmudgeon could be full of so many young, fun, vibrant, creative people. And we all just have a lot of fun and we work at the same time. And um, yeah. I, I think it's really the people and also um, getting to see what we're building for social media. Um, when you get to see success from it, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what gets me excited. When I get to see the team excited about content um, that's performing well and making an impact and um, bringing in new followers, that's exciting. I think a huge thing was this 303 creative rally over the course of 24 hours we gained um over a thousand followers on instagram which is huge incredible yeah and you know today we got to just sit with our team um on a zoom call and just talk about it it was a celebration celebrate it we got to talk about the wins we got to talk about of course the things that we wanted to critique but most of it was like we were all so nailed in dialed into our roles during that day we were confident in that and it made the day just so much fun because we knew what we were doing and we did it well and we made an impact um yeah it was really fun well holly there are two sides to every story so what is maybe the worst part of your job or maybe something you just wish you didn't have to do oh the worst part of my job I feel like you're going to know the answer to this, Abigail. Okay, okay, we'll see. The worst part of my job is working with a bunch of creatives who know no sense of time management. Oh, yeah, that's that's a fair point. You get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm... We're both very, you know, it's, it's all about time management. Mm-hmm. It's all about being on time. Mm-hmm. Timeliness is, is important. We like being on time, and you have been a great blessing to affirm that, affirm that need that our team needs. <laughs> Um, so I think, yeah, when people show up like five minutes late to a meeting because blah, 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 it's like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, you've, I have grown to be patient and to be gracious, which I didn't always have, and I still need to work on that. Um, so that's one thing. Um, 
And I, I would say that's like the major thing. The thing that I love most about working on the social media team is the amount of collaboration. We've got so many, you know, we work alongside um, a visual communications team of videographers, graphic designers, and then our team, which we've got our content writer and then you, Abigail. Um, and, and, and there are just so many skill sets and thought processes and ways of thinking and, and different creativity skill sets, I would say. And um, we're all different, but we all come to the table with unique ideas and um and it's fully democracy when we come together. Like, it really is. Everyone has a say, and it's awesome. We're really honest with each other. We've learned that there are no hurt feelings when we have a brainstorm sync twice a week. We'll, we'll um, hash out ideas, and we'll disagree, we'll agree, and we'll finesse it until we get to the best possible content idea, and then we'll execute on it. And it's, it's been bonding for our team. Sometimes we hate each other. But it's never permanent. It's just because, you know, we all, I think we're all creatives at heart. And sometimes we could take it personally. But I think that um, the amount of creativity, collaboration um, that we have on our team has really made us a family on our team. And we all trust each other 100% and we have each other's best interests at heart. And so, um, not every team can say that. And I think that's just been a huge blessing in the Lord's provision for us. Um, and and if you don't collaborate, you don't do well as a team, it shows. Our social media would show. Um, and when we do really well, like, it shows. So what's something you're especially proud of that's recently happened at work, maybe in terms of metrics, a piece of content you especially loved, um, or really, you know, anything at all? What's something that you just look back and you're like, wow, I'm so proud of that moment? Oh, I, you know, I keep talking about 303 Creative Rally, the free speech rally. I am so proud of that moment. I'm so proud of, um, you know, it, there, it took a lot of planning um, for that rally to um, get everyone together who is going to be involved in Team Social and identify what is your role and responsibility um, in providing all of the resources for them to do their job successfully um, and then to go out there on that day and have no worries at all. And everyone had so much fun. I think I'm proud when I get to see the team have fun and the team feel empowered. Um, that is one of my greatest joys. Um, so, and, and that day, like, I mean, yeah, we had fun as a team, but like we built something that day. We grew on every channel by hundreds and hundreds and then Instagram a thousand, at least we had a lot of organizations, allies, media pundits, influencers engaging in our content, which never, I mean, it happens, but not to that scale. Not, I mean, Abigail, you and I did a full report on this to see just how much engagement there was. And you said there were like four pages you had. single space between the both of us across, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I think we're looking at like six pages of, of wild content that people produced on our behalf, which is mm -hmm. so cool. It's wild. So it was, it was cool. I felt like you know, we're putting in the work every single day for this thing. And I would walk home some days feeling like I'm not I'm not seeing the fruits of this and I feel really discouraged. But uh, Monday, Monday is when everything showed itself. Um, and it was really affirming to see, OK, the hard work paid off, the strategy paid off. And now we can do this again. We can really we can recycle some things and, and maybe trash some other things. But we had a solid thing here. Um, and it was a huge success. So in our live stream, we had a high engagement rate of, you know, viewers and people who were engaged in the stream itself. So I think that, you know, 
it lends itself to just how hard the team worked and um, how confident we were going into the whole day. So it was fun. So as we close off this awesome conversation, I want to bring it back to God in the end. And this is something that we've personally talked about, but I would just love for you to share with our listeners, how do you continue to trust and obey God, uh, even when it's easy to feel that he doesn't, he doesn't give us what we want in a certain moment? You know, sometimes we feel stuck in a season. And so I would just want to ask you, how do you continue to walk in his will? What are some successes you've had? What are some failures? What advice can you offer to people? I would say I have a few Ebenezers in my life where there has been massive growth and um, surrender. And surrender has been my number one thing. And I think that's everyone's thing. Um, the art of surrender is not something you just learn once. You learn it in every season of life and you will learn it till the day you die. Um, and so for me, um, learning to surrender my desires, my wants, my my everything, um, because I love my Heavenly Father um, and I, I trust his authority and his will and his sovereignty, but I also respect and honor him in that way has been so rewarding. And I think that the, the more you hold on to what you want with clenched fists, it just puts a wedge between you and God. And having that distance between you and your Heavenly Father is the worst thing in the world. And when you choose to let go and surrender, I realize just like, oh, like, I don't actually pay lip service when I say, I love my God. No, like I actually genuinely get to experience that intimacy with my Heavenly Father. And it is like, you can't compare that to anything else. And it's it's the safest place you can be in in life. Um, when you choose to um, trust your Heavenly Father and be obedient to Him. Now, what that looks like tangibly, it depends on the situation. But I think the number one thing is reading your Bible. Staying in the Word is huge. And being involved in, um, you know, a, a community of people who are helping you. You know, iron sharpens iron. It's just huge. I've had a lot of friends in this season of my life telling me things I don't want to hear but it's things I need to hear. Um, and um, yeah, and also prayer. Like God doesn't ask us to pray to him because he doesn't hear us otherwise. He asks us to pray because it's a way that we communicate with him and get to understand his will for us and, you know, allow his Holy Spirit to speak to us loud and clear. Um, so I think choosing to surrender is huge. Um, and I will talk about it forever and ever and ever. In fact, I'm in a season of it right now where, you know, I have something going on in my life and I have to choose to surrender it. And it's interesting. Um, in this season, I have had my friend and I actually get on the phone every single night before bed. It's usually around 1030. And we just pray over each other. And during this time, I have heard the Holy Spirit so loud and clear. And so has she um, through people, mentors, scripture, prayer, um, and just like things like nature, you know, and it just, the voice of the Heavenly Father is so clear. If only we like take out the noise and let him in um, and make space for it, you know. So um, yeah, that, that's been like a big thing for me is just choosing to surrender and um, trust your Heavenly Father. And I think the more you read scripture and the more you are communicating and, and praying, like, um, the more it's easier to do, the more it's easier to surrender and um, let go and let him completely like take over your life. That doesn't mean you're lazy and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to be a couch potato and eat Funyuns all day. But no, you do the work and um, you continue to, you know, live day to day. God, give me my daily bread. 
Help me honor and glorify you today. That's all he's asking. And so living that way, you know, the pennies add up to a $100 bill, you know. Um, and confidently I can say when you're choosing to be obedient to the Lord every day, through the way you trust him with your mind and your thoughts and the way you treat other people and the effort that you put into your job, et cetera, um, the Lord makes the path very clear. Well, Holly, this was beyond fun. Thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing all of this. And more than that, I just want to take a moment to capture this on audio so that we have it saved forever. Thank you for being the best boss an intern could ask for. Um, you really have changed my life, and I'm so thankful that God's allowed me to learn from you this semester. You know, you were just talking about teamwork and, and teams, and I really am so thankful that for this season been able to be on your team. So thanks for joining me here on the station today. Thank you for having me. And now I'm going to cry. <laughs> You've been listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Abigail Snyder, and I've been joined by Alliance Defending Freedom social media manager, Holly DeYoung. We hope you've enjoyed this chance to hear from Holly, and I hope that you'll tune in again for more special content.